Thanks, Liam, and uh, welcome. We're, it's really good to be with you and to get into God's Word with you, Fellowship family. Um, it's been a crazy two weeks for me. Uh, I've had COVID, and uh, I've been uh, humbled by this uh, sickness, and uh, thankfully, I'm through it and uh, coming out of quarantine, and uh, so thankful for God's healing. And I know that many of you have had COVID also, and uh, as a church, we want to I've had so many people pray for me as we've prayed for you, and uh, we're really trusting our whole congregation with the Lord as we navigate this. You know, this is our final week of Four Worth Fighting For, and this has been a, a series on four things that God calls us into be as His church. And uh, you probably don't remember all of them. That's why I want to just go through them real quick as we conclude this weekend, just because these are things we're always talking about and always inviting you into. And the first one is worship. And when we worship, what all we're doing is we're finding our greatest joy in giving glory to God. And whether that's on a weekly basis or daily or even moment by moment, uh, it, our greatest joy is to, is to find uh, and to give glory to God for who he is, what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will do. And then we moved on to this whole concept of community. And we define community as a, a group of people joyfully sharing life together as they find and follow Jesus. And uh, as we do that as a church family, we're always going to call you into a deeper relationship. Because the church isn't just something you watch and just attend and then walk away. It's something you are. It's, it's You are the church. So we're going to call you as God's family to be in community. And as we look forward to community groups launching, uh, I'm really excited for each of you who have said yes. Me and a few of my friends will, will join in and grow together in God's Word and in relationship together. And then uh, last week, we looked at this whole concept of ministry. And ministry is really God's invitation to serve Him by helping people find and follow Him. And uh, wherever you're at, we believe everyone's a minister. Everywhere you're at is a, is a ministry opportunity. And there's no greater calling than to be a servant. This week, however, we're going to be talking about generosity. And whenever you think about generosity or giving, I know that heart rates can go up. And it's easy as a church family to think, oh, is there a problem at fellowship? Is there, is there an emergency? Um, are we going to shut down the doors? Why are we talking about giving? And that's exactly what I don't want to do with giving. We don't want to talk about um, uh, rules and regulations and um, have-tos and obligations. We, we want to call you into a, a picture of joyful generosity. And so fellowship's not in an emergency, but uh, this is something that we want for everyone. It's not what we want from people. It's what we want for everyone. And everyone benefits when someone is generous. Just think about all the people in your life who have been generous uh, with you and how much joy they brought into your life, how many needs were met because they were generous with you. I just think about all the people who have invested into my life. I mean, everyone's better when someone is generous. And so when we do that, um, there's a passage and there's a principle that Paul has brought up in his writings quite a bit. And it's this principle of you reap what you sow. In other words, the harvest is definitely related to how much you plant. And uh, Paul talks about that in many areas, not just generosity. Like in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, he says this, For God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. 
but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Okay, so Paul is saying it's definitely related in pretty much a principle for all areas of life. What you put into it, what you seek after, what you pursue will be what you reap. And he's going to bring this now when it comes to generosity. So if you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And as you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of background. Paul is raising up an offering for brothers and sisters in Jerusalem who, under, who were under an extreme famine. And with all the churches that he planted all around Asia Minor, he would, he would call them to give an offering so that he could make a statement that they love them, they're caring for them, they want to meet their needs during this difficult time. And many of them said, yes, Paul, we'll give. But the church in Corinth, the one that perhaps had the most amount of resources and the most amount of affluence and, and wealth, they were the ones who said they'd give, but they didn't give. So Paul is writing them this second letter to encourage them to give, to actually do what they said they, they were going to do. Now, we aren't told why they weren't giving, but you can assume, just as we have in our culture, there's so many things out there that prevent us from giving, even though we want to be people who give. So let's read this and look at how he applies that principle again. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 6. He says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So ultimately, the big idea of this passage is, is about generosity is about what happens when when we give and and so what is generosity well from this passage I, I think it's god's invitation to bring his harvest his glory and the gospel to a world in need paul is talking about look you're just a, a, the giving of finances <clears throat> is ultimately going to show a greater picture of the gospel as you meet needs and uh, fund ministry in, in the church. And so by doing this, by when, when, when we give, we're basically saying yes to God. We're saying, God, you can count on me and, and bring a harvest in my life, a harvest of your righteousness, bring your glory on earth as it is in heaven, and bring your gospel to a world in need. And those three things are the perspective 
that we're called to, to embrace this fight between not giving and spending it all, or not giving because we don't trust, or by giving and receiving that invitation by God and acting upon it by living by faith. Now, with each of these four areas um, that we're going to be fighting for, in whether it's worship or community or ministry or generosity, there's those things within us and there's things around us that keep us and hinder us from saying yes to God's invitation. I think about the areas in my life that have prevented me or questioned me when I've come to giving, and it's just been uh, within me. There's envy. There's envy in that just as desires, you look around at what people have and what you don't have. And uh, when you look at what I could have, or I look at the next gadget, or all those things that have been trappings in my life of things that I want that I don't yet have. If I were to give, I, it might keep me from those things and having more pleasure, more comfort, more of what the life I want to live, more financial independence. Envy is, is such a killer to giving because envy always tells you someone else has something that I need and I want. Another thing is just fear. And, uh, you know, as, as I remember giving as a child, and it was no big deal. I got a quarter or I took 10% of everything that I was given, which wasn't much, and I put it in the offering. It just was more of a practice. But then as I grew up and I got a job and that job paid more resources and money for me, there, as the, the checks became larger and the giving became larger. And I remember at different points, I would go, wow, this is a lot of money. Is anyone else giving like this? Or what if I have an unforeseen expense? I mean, can I trust God with that? And, and just like in every area, you know, when we're called to plant something, we don't always see it at that moment. We have to trust. And, and whenever we're fearful about something, faith has to bridge that gap for action to happen. And so fear is actually an invitation to trust God for who he is and what he's going to do and, and what he'll, he will do in the future. And so fear is something within me that keeps us. Another thing is loss. I mean, <clears throat> many of us just want more. And we just think if we have more, we can do more. We can be more. And really, um, giving, uh, from a world's perspective, is a picture of loss. Why would we do that? And so as a result, we tend to give what's left over or give what we don't need so that we can do what we want to do. Those are things within us. But then there's a world around us, just the system of this world that basically has respect for money. I mean, you think about the people who everyone leans into are the wealthy, the, the affluent, the people who have the Warren Buffetts, the Bill Gates, the Oprah Winfrey, so even, and all the, all the people who have more than we do, who are in that upper echelon, even the 1% of the one percenters, are the people that are respected and listened to when they speak. There's also influence with it. There's perks with money. There's a lot of fun things we can do with money that uh, the world always has a plan for. No matter where you're at, there's a marketing strategy right for you with the next things for you to buy. And you, you may see this even online, how the data you get and fed back to you based on your browsing history on Amazon, it's always going to tell you, you can have more, you can have more, you can be more. And then just image. So much of image is, is funded by money. It's the clothes you wear, it's the car you drive, it's the house you live in, it's the vacations you take, it's <clears throat> the food you eat. I mean, all those things are bring an image of who you are or who you want to be. Those things are always going to compromise 
the biblical picture of generosity. And so the threat is, with the things going on within us and around us, is that we'd have an overspent, a discontent, and a depleted life. And that's really what we don't want for anyone. And yet we can identify, even in ourselves, things within us, things around us that are influencing how much we give or whether or not we give at all. But what it really comes down to is God wants so much more. And so these principles that 2 Corinthians 9 brings up, it, it, it gives us a perspective change. And it's, it's going to be something that if we can grab onto this principle and apply our lives and live by faith rather than fear, uh, trust in Jesus to help us and provide for us in this area, then, then there's so much more that God has for us. And so as we look at this, I just want to give you the, these three areas. And they ultimately tell us not only why we give, but what happens when we give. And so when we give, ultimately, God is calling us to look at the harvest. I give because God is calling me to do something in my life that I can't do for myself that only he can do. And that's reap a harvest of his righteousness. There's a lot of people and even some churches who will think that God owes me if I give to him or if I do this, I should have health, wealth, and prosperity. That, that is not a New Testament principle in the scriptures. Uh, we are shown here, though, that God does reap something in us. He grows a harvest of righteousness. The, the effect is a spiritual transformation that happens when we take what is physical and we give it to what is spiritual. And so look at what he says in verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Okay, so think with me here. I've got a jar of seeds, and I keep this as a reminder because a jar of seeds remains a jar of seeds until I plant it. And it's just like anything, whether it's my life, if I reap what I sow. And so if I just take a little bit and, and plant it, and these, these are grass seeds, okay, and I love a rich, luxurious grass uh, 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 lawn. I love that. I love that. But the, that's only going to happen if, I, if I'm generous with the amount of seed that I plant. And once this, these seeds spring up and take root and grow, I'm going to know, did I put enough seed on the ground? But I don't know that until the harvest time, right? And so, but it's, it's in direct proportion to how much seed goes into the ground. And so Paul is saying, look at the harvest. Look at what happens within you and, and look what God does. He, he's the one who will provide more, more for you. And it's kind of just like being a servant. If I'm a servant and I'm a steward, I'm not the owner, which is the biblical concept of giving, then the seed that God gives me, am I a good investment for him? Am I being a good farmer for him with the seed he's given me? Am I, and I'm growing and multiplying crops or am I just going very sparsely and it's really, I'm not doing my, my stewarding work for him. So that, that, that whole picture that we're called to look at is think about the harvest. Think about the harvest of what God is doing. And, and that, takes it, that takes it to be an, uh, an expression of faith. So God says, when you give, think about what I'm going to do with this. And, and trust me. That, that I am the one who produces a rich harvest, 
not just in the world from what you give, but in your life. I, and, and that's what it is. We, our, our, our claws kind of are released on the things of this world to see the things that are beyond this world. Our, our claws move from the things that kind of feed our flesh to things that are moved by the Spirit when we give. Think of that harvest. Have you ever thought about that in your giving? Have you ever thought, I am so honored to give to the Lord and to provide for ministry needs. I'm so thankful to be a part of a generous church who is willing to do that. And God, use this to multiply. I pray that when I give. I pray, God, these are seeds that I don't know what you're going to do with it. And I can't control it because it's now in your control. And use it for your glory. Bring in a rich harvest. Pray for the harvest of God when you give. Secondly, we're called to remember God's glory. We give just because by giving, we make God greater on earth as he is in heaven. Anytime we take such, uh, such an element that's, that has trapped and hindered so many people, the issue of money, and we can move it into things that are spiritual, God receives the glory. And, and it ultimately takes the things money can buy to ultimately show a greater picture of things money could never buy. The priceless, eternal value of the gospel in the lives of people. Look what it says here. Paul says, You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and all the others. Okay, so this is what he's saying. When you are generous, when you give, it meets the needs of others. And as it meets the needs of others, they thank the Lord. They thank the Lord for how God provided for them through your giving. And ultimately, God receives the glory. Okay? It's almost like this is the seeds that are planted. And this is the harvest that happens because of our generosity. And I just want to take this point right now. I see this at Fellowship. With 20% of every dollar given going outside of our church and in the ministry partners, whether it's local or global, that we support on a monthly basis, I hear them saying, thank you, thank you for being used by God to meet our needs. I see an overflow. I see the gospel moving through partnerships that we've been a part of because of your generosity. And guess what? God's glory grows in Topeka. God's glory grows in the United States. God's glory grows to all the nations. And we get to be a part of this. So why do you give? Because of the glory of God. Because God is worth more than whatever I have. And what he has given me, I'll entrust to him because I'm not ultimately the owner. I'm the steward of what he's given. So we're to remember the harvest. Remember the glory of God. Why give? Because the gospel. You've heard it many times when we've said we give because the gospel is worth it. But look what Paul says here. He says, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Okay, so what is that inexpressible gift? It's the gift of Jesus coming to this world to live for us, to die for us, and to rise on the third day for us. That's the gospel. That, that it's a free gift of God. 
And when we give, guess what? We show a picture of the greatest gift ever given, the greatest gift we've ever received. It's the gift of Jesus. And so it's the gospel. Paul says, remember the gospel when you give. Give, give to the Lord and, and remember the harvest of what he'll do as you, in your life as you give. Remember God's glory and remember it's the gospel. You actually proclaim the gospel when you're generous to the Lord. And so the vision ultimately for all of us is that we would be joyfully generous. That joyful generosity is that picture that we want for everyone at fellowship. And you can't be generous unless you give. All right, so let's talk about this. How do we, how do we become more generous? And first of all, I just wanted to say, this past year has been a crazy year. And yet, you at fellowship, our church family, we've joined together, we've looked at what God has given us, and we've continued to give. And, and, and you have met our ministry needs. We've not had one month where we didn't have enough resources to pay our bills, to pay our staff, to fund our partners. And, and throughout this, this is a picture of you being faithful. So I want to thank you. Thank you so much for being a generous church. But there's many more who are connected at Fellowship who just aren't giving. And uh, this is not good. We need to be a church where, that we all do this together. And I know that there's many different reasons. I know that there's many different reason, reasons. But I want to show you how you can at least begin. And, and as this passage has told us, when Paul writes in verse 7, he says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I just want to say, right now, if you can't give with a cheerful heart, don't give. I don't want you to do this out of guilt or obligation. I don't want uh, this message to be something you just do a reaction on. I'd rather have you see the larger picture of Scripture and of the Holy Spirit work in your heart and for you to respond to that. And so um, if you can't give cheerfully, don't give. God's going to use other people to do what he wants to do. But I don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to miss out on the harvest of what God's doing. I don't want you to miss out on, on making God greater on earth as he is in heaven, his glory. And I don't want you to miss out of being involved in your generation of advancing the gospel through generosity. Um, so here, wherever you're at, I want you to think about where do I begin? And here's just a, a real simple way that I think uh, many people have responded to as we've called people into giving. And the first one is this. We're, think about 1%. Most of us can find 1% of our income and give it without missing it. And some of you go, well, what about the 10%? <clears throat> As I look at 10% in the scriptures, uh, it's definitely a target. It's definitely a, a, a picture there for all of us to aim to. But it may not be where we start. And I would just encourage you, 1%, if you make $50,000 a year, 1% of that is like $50 a month. And I would just encourage you, begin with that. And then go online and set it up. You can go online to fbctopeka.com give. And you can set this up on a recurring basis, 50 bucks a month. And you can be a part of this harvest, this God's glory and the gospel at fellowship. Begin with 1%. 1%. Uh, and then some of you, uh, you haven't looked in a while at what you're giving to fellowship, so it's just kind of become rote. I would encourage you, again, to go back online and reconsider. 
how do I grow my giving here? Some of our incomes have gone up since we started many years ago or a few months ago. And, uh, or even if it's gone down, you can, you can take it down compared to, because we're called to give of what God has given to us. But look at that. Consider adding 1%. I remember Cheryl and I, at the beginning of COVID, we realized giving might be, might be hindered at fellowship because of all the jobs that are associated with this. And we added 1% uh, of our income to what we had been previously giving. And you know what? We haven't missed it. And it's only been more joyful for us to be more engaged in giving more and more of what God has given us to his glory for his gospel, reaping his harvest in our lives. Okay, and where to aim? Uh, You know, if you've started 1%, it's good to just grow that by 1% each year until you get to a point where you're around that 10%. And 10% is just a real easy one. Just as in 1%, it's easy to figure that out. 10% is pretty easy to figure out. And it's a way that God just grows you in that. But again, I, I will tell you, those who, those who are giving like this, if you have them in your life, talk to them. And they will share with you about the harvest. They'll share with you about God's glory. They'll share with you about their involvement and their partnership of the gospel um, through their generosity. And, and so talk to them and, and talk to people. I've been sharpened by other people who give. And it's really, it's really made me a better giver as I've seen what God is doing in their lives. Because ultimately, when joyful generosity is pouring through your life, your whole life is a picture of, of living to give. And it doesn't matter how much you make when you live to give. Because your whole life, whether it's your time, your energy, your money, is all an offering to the Lord. And that's what joyful generosity is all about. And we have a generous God who, when we give, he pours out a harvest of righteousness in our life. The glory of God expands on earth as it is in heaven. And the gospel advances from one generation to the next. And we started out talking about how the overspent, discontent, and depleted life is just something that is a burden due to money and due to the pull and sway of what money does in us and around us. But really what the Bible has shown us is an overflowing, thankful, and Christ-exalting life. That's all what happens when we're generous. So fellowship, I want to thank you for being faithful. Fellowship, I want to thank you for enduring through a difficult year and still giving to the Lord. And I want to encourage you to continue to grow in this grace of giving. This is something worth fighting for. And because of that, as a church, we're just always going to be calling you into it. Because this is God's picture for us as a church, to be a church of worship, community, ministry, and generosity. And as we do, we see God do greater things than any one of us could do alone. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that we could be a part of your church. Lord, I just trust our church with you. And I know that there's many who are fearful, many who are struggling with finances. May we be people who trust you, who aren't ruled by fear, but are living by faith. May you give us a picture of your harvest. Give us a picture of your glory. Give us a grander picture of the gospel and the lives of people so that it would move each of us to give all that we are and all that we have to making Jesus greater on earth as he is in heaven. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.